Everyone's seen a movie, whether it be a blockbuster, animation, or an independently produced film. Each and every one of us have been entertained through the medium of moving pictures, and for most of us, films have always been a part of our lives. There was a time when the word cinema didn't even exist. Stories had to be shared through literature, visual arts and theater. Cinema is ultimately an amalgamation of all three mentioned art forms and I'd like to begin this series from the very first cinema-like experience. A form of entertainment known as shadow puppetry. China, over 2,000 years ago. Han Wudi, the seventh emperor of the Han dynasty, was saddened and emotionally torn after the death of his late concubine, Lady Li. She didn't allow for the emperor to see her in an ill state and passed away sometime between 104 to 101 BC. Regardless of his emotional state, Han Wudi had an empire to run. Enter one of his loyal advisors who watched from the sideline, concerned for the emperor's well-being. One sunny day, the mentioned advisor passed by a courtyard and happened to spot a few kids playing about with parasols. He noticed that the parasol and the kids casted a shadow on the floor, and the way the shadow replicated the kids' movements felt lifelike. A perfect imitation of sorts. And this is when the advisor came up with an idea. That night, Han Woody was invited to the same courtyard for a special performance. The setup was somewhat simple. The advisor draped a white sheet as a screen and casted a silhouette of Lady Lee constructed using small leather cutouts. Wooden sticks were laced with the head and arms to create a movable puppet. Holding the sticks, the advisor moved the backlit puppet in a way that closely resembled the mannerisms of the emperor's late concubine. Through the eyes of the emperor, that silhouette moved as elegantly as the way his lover did. Emperor Han Wudi was revitalized and continued to run what is said to be one of the most prosperous periods in Chinese history. Over time, this form of storytelling was shared with people outside the palace. This was when shadow puppetry became a nationwide form of entertainment. Truth be told, this legend on the origins of shadow puppetry is more fiction than fact. In fact, shadow puppetry also existed in India and throughout Southeast Asia sometime from the first millennium BCE. But regardless of its origins, the tale is so deeply rooted in love that you cannot ignore the passion of the craft that has been told through generations by royal performers, farmers and laborers. I want you to picture this in your head. The sun sets. The townspeople of small village finish their day-to-day -day responsibilities. The night sky now filled with stars. People ranging from kids to adults gather in front of a screen made from a white sheer. The anticipation for the show to start is much like the waiting of the lights dim at a cinema.
The show begins. All eyes are glued to the same screen, laughing, crying, and experiencing a sense of euphoria. The visuals that are crafted on screen are simpler in form, but it's not different to what being in a cinema is like. Stories were generally focused on telling fairy tales, well-known epics surrounding the history of China and legends that were passed down through generations. Unfortunately, this age-old tradition has been for quite some time depleting in popularity. The people who do watch shadow plays are generally within an educational or tourism context. Nowadays, it isn't something residents of China would spontaneously go to to be entertained. People go to cinemas, but even then, Cinema attendance has depleted over time. The sense of escapism cinemas now capture are far more visceral and engaging for a contemporary audience. But this doesn't mean we should forget where it originated from. In fact, the development of shadow puppetry seems to have an uncanny parallel with the evolution of cinema. The sole dependence of telling a story through shadows meant the first images were, in a way, black and white. Eventually, Puppet masters found a way to add color to their shadows using animal hides and dyeing them in vibrant colors. Think of it like film tinting. Then came sound and music. The puppet masters would not only move the puppets themselves, but they would also sing the tale that they wrote. Some performers were also perceived as a one-man band with percussion-based instruments rigged to the puppeteer's feet to create rhythm. Though cinemas and shadow plays are similar in its theatrical form and its technical progression, this doesn't prove that shadow plays were of any influence to the existence of cinema. But I like to see if there truly is a link of inspiration. You could say that the use of silhouettes in films were heavily inspired by shadow plays, but I'd like to go deeper than that. We need to take a step back in time to the years of when the Silk Road was connected with China. And for those who don't know of the Silk Road, think of it as an ancient history version of the World Wide Web. The Silk Road is essentially a number of paths that go through and between cities and towns to ultimately create a trade network. Artifacts, ideologies, religions and art were carried through these roads to share with others outside of China. Shadow plays spread across the network to Southeast Asia and to Turkey during the Ottoman Empire. And over time, the Silk Road expanded all the way to Europe, where Italian fairground performers adopted what they coined as shadow theatre. Puppets have always been a huge part of Italian fairs, but they've never seen entertainment made with very little material with 2D images only shown through shadows. At the time, that concept was so surreal that Italian performers took joy in displaying this new form. Ultimately, they've never experienced entertainment embodied through a screen-like format. Their closest form of cinema was probably theatrical plays of puppets in miniaturized stages. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't call that cinema. But who cares what I think? Their passion for shadow theater spread to performing all throughout Europe, but the stories they told were focused around classical Italian tales, and it was nothing new for the patrons of their shows. And though shadow theatre was unique in its craft at the time, it didn't catch on until some time within the 1760s when China was met with French missionaries. To give some context at the time, France had an interest towards the artistic traditions that came from China. 
There was a term for it. Chinoiserie. A decorative flourish to Western art, furniture, and architecture that was heavily influenced by Chinese motifs and techniques. And because of the existence of chinoiserie, shadow plays were welcomed by the masses. So the French missionaries were naturally intrigued by the Chinese shadow plays that they brought its medium back to French entertainers. Many were fascinated, and it soon was called ombre chinois, which in English translates to Chinese shadows. Out of the many was one particular man who you could say was a huge influence for its growth. A French entertainer by the name of Francois-Dominique Serafin interpreted his own take of Chinese shadow plays and performed at the back of an inn situated somewhere in Versailles. Just like how we tell our friends about an unforgettable film we've watched, word spread of the performance and it was only a matter of time until a gradual number of people came to experience the joy surrounding Ombre Chinois. And with demand comes the need to grow as a business. Francois started to frequently perform in carnivals, an outdoor screening of sorts. Nuce even reached aristocrats of the time, and soon enough, his success eventually led him to performing in the Palace of Versailles in front of royalty. A few years later, in 1784, he moved to Paris and started to regularly perform his shows at the Palais Royal. And by this point, the visual style has shifted to French sensibilities with an aesthetic that no longer resonates with China. The Broken Bridge. The Dangerous Wood or the Two Thieves. Cinderella. The Dark Hunt. These were a few of many shows Francois had performed. There was really no sign of his shows stopping. Until 1800. Francois-Dominique Serafin passed away. His shows will continue for another 70 years thanks to his nephew, but it was of very little importance when compared with the shows that were directed by Francois himself. You could say that the dying art form was due to nepotism and the nephew's inability to keep the art form fresh and new, but my suspicion is that regardless of Francois' death, shadow puppetry was inevitably going to dwindle in popularity. Years before his death, Francois had managed to earn enough to invest more into his shows, and the next step to revamp it was through clockwork mechanisms that would automate the character's movements. At first, I did imagine the mechanical doll in the film Hugo. It hurts me to say this, but I couldn't find anything on the design of the mechanical puppets. But I digress. My suspicion is that the mechanized versions of the shows Francois had performed removed the human aspect of the performance. Think of it like really bad visual effects in films now. When you notice how fake the digitally produced characters look, you can't help but feel detached from the characters. I imagine that the mechanics of the time weren't advanced enough for the audience to suspend their disbelief. The organic flow of his performance was just no more. In the end, shadow puppetry was at an all-time low. Francois dominated the French shadow puppetry industry that no one wanted to take over. The role of being the next great shadow performer was too overwhelming for many entertainers, thus leading to the death of the art form.
1885, in the nightclub district of Montmartre, is a cabaret called Le Chanois. And the man who ran the shows, Louis Rodolphe Salas, was the man to fund and reinvigorate a dying medium. Rather than returning to the mechanical versions of Shadow Puppetry, he went back to its original style with people puppeteering one or two characters. Le Chanois' theatre space was in a way like a 19th century megaplex, a large cinema-like experience with the comfort of being entertained whilst consuming snacks and beverages. It was lively and full of people. The overwhelming sensation of the cabaret is what most Baz Luhrmann films try to capture. But why did Shadow Plays return? The impresario, Louis Rodolphe Salas, the man who runs Le Chanois, was an innovator. He came up with the idea of merging an already establishing device called a magic lantern with shadow puppetry. And for those who do not know what it is, a magic lantern is ultimately a projector of sorts. Louis used it to project detailed backgrounds onto the screen. And layering on top of the background are the shadow puppets themselves. The illustrated backgrounds were what made the performances stand out. Beforehand, backgrounds were also created using shadows, so the setting of any scene was like an embellished frame. Thanks to Henri Riviere, a French artist and designer, the backgrounds looked far more captivating than it ever was. The story world became an integral part of shadow puppetry, and this particular style was adopted amongst other cabarets in France and eventually became an abundant form of entertainment by the end of the 19th century. People from all classes would share the same dim-lit room just to experience a world and story outside of reality. And once moving images came into fruition, shadow puppetry had already established a foundation of what we call a cinema experience. A moving character, a vivid world, and a dramatized story. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of FIMA, Exploring Cinema History. It's a pleasure to produce this episode, and I intend to continue with the series whenever possible. This podcast is in association with Free Quarter Films, and is a passion project made for filmmakers, filmgoers, and just general film lovers. You can follow Free Quarter Films on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date on future episodes, as well as any film production that is in the works. See you next time.